0: Welcome to this GemTrain.org presentation, where you will be able to enjoy some wonderful free content that we sincerely hope will help you overcome the challenges of autism. Some content from this presentation is not included here, but the entire presentation is available on our website, GemTrain.org.
1: Hi, um, I'm Najme Hurmanesh. I am a school psychologist and a clinical psychologist. And um, I have had a lot of training in, in the area of trauma, and I've specialized in trauma. So I'm certified in EMDR. Um, I'm an RPTS, I'm a registered play therapist supervisor because I use play quite a bit, not only with kids and teens, but also with adults, um, who, if they're dealing with, um, traumas of during their nonverbal years. So, um, and I also, um, do a lot of, use a lot of, um, Santre. I'm trained in Santre and IFS. Again, all of these um, trainings are to help me to do trauma work with kids, adolescents, and uh, adults. Um, I work both in schools and um, I also work in my private practice. One of my degrees is in public health. Um, And one reason that I went into public health was to intervene at community level with communities um, that are low SES, they don't have very many resources. And when I started working on that, one group that I thought is most preventive, so I was looking at preventive work, um, and um, like I said, when I did, when I went through university and doing my graduate work, I was trained to work with children, adolescents, and adults, and I decided to target children because it's the the most um, is the population where you can be most preventive. Things don't add up, and that's why I work in schools um, because you kind of stop the trauma at its. Heals. It just, um, as opposed to when I work with an adult and there has been years and years of trauma and, um, with children, trauma, the treatments not only are effective, the trauma treatment is shorter and, um, their life goes back to normal, especially if they have social support and supportive parents like you. Um, I have been doing this work for over 13 years. Um, especially when I work in schools, I work with um, over 600 kids. And I have only worked in Title I schools, schools where the kids have, um, they're from low SES. They don't have uh, enough resources in order to go to a clinic, even if they have Medicaid. For that reason, um, I do a lot of um I do a lot, I see a lot of kids and I also see adolescents and occasionally they even refer uh, adults to me at schools for doing trauma work. Um, In my uh, private practice, I would say about two, no, but more than half are adults. About a third are kids and maybe a quarter of them, you know, uh, are adolescents. Again, all of them trauma work. Because I'm only allowed to use certain therapies in the school setting and I have been trained in a number of therapies all uh, targeting trauma and with a range of population and you know like I said I work from kids two years old to uh, I have clients that are in their 70s and I'm able to do use all my trainings, use all the therapies that I have learned when I come to my private practice. Um, I choose to work with trauma because I really believe in the therapies that I use and I believe they're very effective and I see the big change from the time that client walks into my office to the time that we say bye. So I believe the therapies I'm using are pretty effective. I have not created the therapies, but they are therapies that really brilliant people have come up with and they're very effective for this population. Trauma, the shortest definition for it would be when somebody experiences or is exposed to an an event that is life-threatening or they perceive it as life-threatening to either them or somebody in their family or somebody that they know. That would be a uh, definition of trauma. Now, some theories would say there are two types of trauma. Usually, when you watch TV and people talk to you, they're talking about the big T trauma. Those are sexual abuse, physical abuse, um, neglect, accidents, natural disasters, but then you have a lot of small T's. Small T's are like bullying that a child experiences and over time it kind of adds up and then it becomes something that is as big as a a big T. So there are little T's and there are big T's and especially when we talk with kids with disabilities, um, those Little teas are experienced every single day, the teasing, the um, comments that they hear as they walk in the halls, as they go to the playground. I think one of the first things that most people need to know is that we are generally pretty resilient. We are amazing beings. We are resilient and um, the same way the body heals a cut or a sliver once you pull it out, it heals when you have an injury that is emotional um, the brain by kind of processing it back and forth between right and left hemisphere it heals it usually then there are those kind of traumas that happen they're so overwhelming the brain kind of wraps it up nicely and puts it in a back burner and doesn't want to deal with it unfortunately you have a lot of triggers and those triggers bring it to the forefront and the person has never dealt with it. So every time they the triggers bring them to the forefront, it's as if it's happening today. So they kind of become very, very dysregulated. Um, How do all kids respond to it? It's not just kids with autism, but all kids. um, They begin having flashbacks and intrusive thoughts, images about the trauma that they have experienced. they become very avoidant, avoidant of any kind of triggers, places, people, things that activate that trauma, um, kind of all the f- emotions and um, thoughts that goes along with it. You will see some people don't want to actually feel at all, so they detach. They completely detach from head down because it's safer to be in their head. Um, and, um, um, I'm trying to think of, um, then they become, the, the other thing that happens to a lot of kids and adults is they're always, um, hyper aroused. They're hyper vigilant for whatever happened to happen again. So constantly they are watching, uh, and they're, um, they never can relax. They can't sleep, um they can't play, their play becomes very constricted. Um, So those are the things that comes to me right off the top of my head. So if you're a parent, the way to recognize that your child has experienced a traumatic um, event is, all of a sudden, symptoms suddenly show up that they weren't there before, or the intensity of certain symptoms become really um prominent. Um, so they're sudden. Now with ch- children with autism one of the things that is tricky is they already are, there are comorbid conditions, right? We have anxiety. Sometimes we have ADHD. So there are issues with attention. There are issues with anxiety. There are behaviors that get in the way of them doing what they need to do. But all of a sudden the intensity of ability to attend In class, ability to go to sleep, it becomes really really intense. So and you would know that is there is a marker event after which those behaviors become rather intense, avoidance, become really clingy, they do not leave the parent, they shadow the parents. Even I have parents who would tell me they follow them into the bathroom, they can't take a shower, Um, they won't sleep in their bed, Um, So there is a sudden increase in the frequency and intensity of these behaviors that is marked by an event. The parent, um, not all of these behaviors mean trauma as long as they are not preceded by a traumatic event. So again, the thing would be that there is a traumatic event that precedes these behaviors. So um, they will not show up out of nowhere. So they may need to do some detective work, what has happened at school, what has happened at home, on the playground, They care wherever they go. Um, but generally, they're marked by an event. And um, the parent would know that if most of the time, these behaviors do improve with time. But if after several weeks, or two to three months, they have not improved, their intensity, their frequency has not gone down, then the parent needs to seek a a therapist. And you gotta also realize it's better be safe than sorry. We are talking about a child with special need. And um, one out of six kids has some kind of disability, developmental delays. And there are issues with communication, there are issues with cognition, there are issues with affect regulation. So they cannot quite communicate what they're going through. And so it would be, the parent may not be trained, but if they find a therapist that specially is trained not only in trauma treatment, there are various uh, effective trauma treatments, but use of therapies like play therapy or sand therapy or art therapy, art is also great. They can show you even if they cannot tell you and their communication issues. The same way, why do we use other strategies with children who are young or children who have a disability or they have special needs, like um, children with autism? Because the way they communicate, the way they perceive the world around them is different. And they cannot always verbally express Neither nor do they have the attention or the interest. Why would they want to keep dwelling on something that was pretty traumatic and scary to them? They want to avoid it. They're not going to come and sit and talk with you. But if, I mean, there are several things you can do. We we have to learn to actually modify all the effective treatments, trauma treatments that we have to these kids with special needs. What are some ways we can modify them? For instance, one is through establishing routine and structure. Because they deal with anxiety, they respond to routines. So you have a routine at the beginning of the session, you end the session a certain way, you have rituals, and you have it at a certain time, um, you have a schedule for this session. So they kind of, every time there's one thing about this session that stays the same. You make the session shorter, You limit the uh, language that you use Um, and uh, you use a lot of visuals, a lot of aids. Um, For a lot of kids, you can use play, you can use figures, you can um, with art, you can use paint uh, and paper. So they're busy moving. With sand, as they're telling you, their hands is in the sand, they're they're engaged in a self-soothing behavior if you're using the right sand. And then they can tell, they can, even if they can't tell, they can show you. So you cannot rely on, um, just their ability to verbalize and tell you the story. They can first show you. Then what you can do is that you can help them put words to it. And then you can re-expose them to that story over and over. So the anxiety comes down. And later on after you have, I mean, we haven't talked about the therapies per se, but ra- later on, you can also help them kind of deal with the triggers that brings on the uh, trauma back. There's always, when parent comes, parents are confused about whether we are playing or whether we're actually doing therapy. So a part of any trauma treatment is always providing psychoeducation. You got to not only tell them about, not only for the child, but for the adult, because the children don't know why do they have nightmares all the time. Why is it that um, they're jumpy? They're getting easily startled. Um, why is it they're angry? They're always... Um, um, not only angry, but anxious more than their usual. So psychoeducation normalizes behaviors, normalizes the symptoms that come with PTSD, not only for the children so they know they're normal, they just have been through an ordeal, but to the parents to recognize when their child is showing the symptoms of PTSD. And um, sometimes it, it may not reach the level of PTSD, but it's still pretty... Uh, unsettling for the child. So we do a lot of psychoeducation, not only about the trauma, but also the therapy and how the therapy proceeds. So generally in any kind of trauma treatment, we start with some psychoeducation about the trauma, the type of trauma, and the different models of the treatment. And then we explain how the treatment works. So even though I am using play, For instance, if I'm using sand, and um, you are... A lot of times I also have the parents sit in the sessions. So as the parent is sitting, I I tell the child, um, I give him one of the baskets that are here, and I ask him to go around and then pick figures they wish to make a picture of the scary thing that happened. And then they make the picture in sand. And as they make the picture, then there is a number of things I identify. For instance, if I'm using EMDR with a child, which I have used with many children with autism, I can identify the negative cognition that goes with that image, the positive cognition they wanna have once they are done with the therapy, the feelings that come up, how disturbing the whole thing is, where in their body they experience it because we also mix some somatic therapy with a lot of therapy models. Um, so the parents is sitting there the whole time. Even if the parent is not sitting, usually I take pictures. And then I explain how I use the sand and the figures in order to do the EMDR processing or to, you, to do um, TFCBT. So taking a child through treatment from so that they heal from what they have experienced um, I think a time is painful because it's raw and as they share it is raw and a lot of times is um, it's filled with joy because when you... Um, when you take somebody through treatment, in order to give them a break and be able to tolerate, you alternate between um, working on trauma and giving them a break with play. Not that they're playing, but let's say you go about trauma treatment in a playful way. So it's more, that's more appropriate. So there are um, a lot of moments that you see the real child. The child before the trauma, um, the child that um, everybody talked about. Um, so that is very, very um, kind of satisfying to see, and um, it is very satisfying when you reach a point where they don't want to see you anymore. Because before, they didn't want to be with their friends, they didn't want to play anymore, they don't want to do all the things they used to enjoy, and then when they start saying Najme, I kind of want to, you know, go play. I want to go uh, join the basketball team. I want to go and uh, play a little bit of soccer. I want to go to this movie that is out. That means that um, they're becoming healthier and healthier. And that's kind of nice to see.
0: We hope you're enjoying this presentation. At any time, we invite you to go to gemtrain.org and gain the additional guidance from this presenter that can help you fully grow and flourish as you gain the skills and confidence to help those you love on the autism spectrum.
1: I think a lot of times, as we work with kids, um, your more focused is um, with um, the healing aspect of it, not what happened. You know after you've um, worked with trauma, there are only so many different ways. That you know, so many different traumas, so many different stories. I don't think the traumas are new to me when I work with a child, but their journey to healing is different because each child is unique. So my um, focus is more on um, how like is how life is going to be at the end of the tunnel, more so than what happened to them, what traumatized them even though I have to have it in mind as as I think about how to go about uh, kind of uh, bring the healing, but um, my focus is more uh, how we can get to the end of the tunnel. So um, I'm both with kids with autism. Uh, So I have, let's talk about a seven-year-old boy with some language. But not fluent, and receptive language comprehension of what is said is not always as um, high as their expressive language, the spoken language, and um, and he had been through multiple tra- uh, traumas. One of them is actually in a, a car accident, and in um, during which. Um, the mother was hurt and was flown to a nearby hospital. Um, The dad soon after passed away. And um, so given that this child couldn't really speak fluently and say everything, um, and with children with autism, I'm I'm a little bit more directive. So given that I knew what was involved in the accident, so I would kind of have cars, people, and things that I know would be involved, you know, when you are involved in an accident on the freeway. And um, I would say, show me what happened. And he, he would set up the toys, like to say, well, uh, mom, dad, and I, we were going um, somewhere in the car. And then I would take a picture. And then I would say, what happened next? Um, a car was going fast. It hid hid into us. And I said, well, show me. And then he would set up the toys to show it. And I would take a picture. And then I would say, what happened next? And says, well, uh, mom got hurt. Ambulance came. And I would say, show me. And I would take a picture. And until we got to the end where mom left the hospital, returned to the family, um, this boy and the sister were taken care of by their grandparents till the mother joined them at home. And this is before dad passed um, from a brain tumor. Um, but we take, uh, so I take the pictures and we wanted um, in, this is a TFCBT uh, uh, treatment. So in TFCBT, once they give you the narrative, um, you re-expose them to the story to lower the anxiety. And you keep going and you uh, process it deeper and deeper. So initially, they just tell you the story. So I put the pictures and he tells the story. I said, can I be your secretary? And say yes. So I write this story. The next time I go through the story, I said, I, I just, you know, I was thinking about you. And I'm wondering, as this happened, what was going through your head? What, were you, what was your head saying? How are you feeling here? So he would um, tell me and I would add it. So I we go over the story maybe two, three, four times, and each time I take him in deeper to talk about his feelings, about his thoughts. And the final version would be, I actually um, correct his thought errors. And um, not only I teach him how the thoughts are connected to their uh, feelings and to their behaviors, and then I kind of have them challenge the thought that they had if it's unhelpful or if it's a thought error. Is, um, and then we challenge them and we correct some of the thoughts that they had through about the trauma that happened to them. So that would be an example of TFCBT. It's um, good for a lot of kids with autism because it's very structured. And they respond to it because You can keep each session very structured. And um, kids with autism are usually literal and concrete. So actually give them the toys to set up the scene and then looking at that scene that they took a picture of after they put it in order and they tell the story is, um, like I said, gradually decreases their anxiety. And um, then, you know, once you're finished with their narrative, what you can do is um, have them sit with the parent because you involve the parent in the uh, this trauma treatment and share the story with the parent. The only thing that the child doesn't know is I usually have brought in a parent, the, the parent, their mom or dad for a couple of sessions before we have conjoint session and read this story to them and have the parent come up with a um, response narrative because there is a lot of gaps in a story whatever has happened to a child that doesn't understand everything so the parent does the response a narrative and during the conjoint session after the child shares their story that we have been working on for several sessions then the parent shares their story and they say I have a story for you and then they share their story and then they have a more full comprehensive understanding of what all happened so this is all examples of play whenever i have them use toys to set up the scenes those are examples of using toys figures those are all play therapy so if the child is going um to my sand trays then i use the sand so um i can give you an example of a child who was playing on the playground they were on the playground uh, the older sister went inside the building to do something, to make something, copy something, do something. So the two younger kids were playing around this tree and the, um, uh, a guy who, a homeless guy came near, uh, near them and exposed himself to them. So she was very, very, um, traumatized by that. And, um, so for him, for her, I had her show me. Show me the scariest part of what happened on the school ground in sand. And on the other part of the sand, I would have all her resources, all her helpers, and her calm, happy, um, healing place. And I had her part the sand tray into two parts. On one part, I had her put her calm, happy place and all her helpers. On the other side, I had her make a picture of the scariest part of what happened. So before I process the trauma, I would build distress tolerance by um, having her spend um, let's say 20 seconds on the uh, happy place and then five seconds on the scary part. And then I would alternate to the happy place and this time I would have her um, I would have her stay on the scary part, on the trauma 10 seconds. And I would keep alternating till I built her to being able to tolerate this scary image of what happened for 30 seconds. And then when she was able to actually tolerate um, sitting with the trauma that had happened, then I would identify what what does your head say when you see the image, what are the feelings that come up, how much does it bother you, where in your body do you feel it, and then I use... Um, I may use a puppet on a stick and have her follow my hands. So I'm using EMDR. At the same time, I'm using sand. So sand is a medium through which I'm doing EMDR with her to process her trauma. And at the same time, she doesn't have to keep looking at me. And a lot of kids with autism, they, want to keep, they don't want to maintain looks. So she can have her hands and kind of feel relaxed. And then only she can look up when I have her, you know, as you think about what your head says when you see this image and the feelings that come up, follow this stick. Follow this puppet. And then I stop and take a break and I ask him, what came up for you? Did your head say anything? Did any pictures come up? Did this image change? Did the feelings in your body change? And then we talked about that a little bit and then I continue again. So. Kids with autism do respond. There are many therapies for kids with autism um, to process their trauma. Santre is one of them. Uh, EMDR is one of them. TFCBT is one of them. IFS is one of them. They all can be combined. It doesn't have to stay one treatment or the other. Combined and tailored to the kids' needs, which is what we need to do when we work with kids with disability. We need to do ta- we need to tailor the treatment to them. And we don't have that many therapists who do. So, um, but they can. It's not that, it's doable. It's doable and it's very effective. So some parents feel that the child is gonna forget about it, they're young. One, it didn't impact it um, very much. Two, they're gonna forget. And if we pay attention to it, it actually becomes worse. Um, that point of view is a more behavioral view and um, and one of the things that I believe I kind of touched on at the very beginning, trauma and the symptoms and the way it impacts the child will improve and the point of intervention is when it, the symptoms have not actually decreased after a few weeks or a few months. If the symptoms have not decreased that means it's time to get the uh, a specific trauma treatment. Um, from having worked with adults as well, since I work with a lot of adults, I can tell you they will bl- remember vividly everything that happened to them from age 2, 3, 5, 11. The memories remain, the impact remains and that's having work with a lot of adults. They don't forget.
0: So the idea that forget it and it will go away is... It doesn't,
1: they don't forget it, it doesn't go away. And one of the points that is important in trauma, it predisposes them and it sensitizes them to the the future traumas. So somebody who is traumatized and maybe the first exposure, they don't develop PTSD. By the time they are exposed to a second, third, fourth, they're definitely traumatized and the impact is much more than it would have been if they had got treatment for the first one, because you would be dealing with a healthy child. So parents, I wanna caution you that children will never forget. Um the the trauma is registered in the in the body and um, leaving it even with I mean um, leaving it won't change anything what it does is predisposes them to actually becoming more traumatized by future exposure and the fact is there will be car accidents there will be dog bites that I treat a lot of children for so All the future traumas will actually have much bigger impact if that earlier traumas are not addressed. So please find and seek a professional and do um, address these traumas. One thing I would like to stress is that please don't be discouraged seeking treatment if your child is not completely uh, fluent, um, cannot communicate, and is not... um, Fluent in um, speaking, because there are many nonverbal way of um, delivering the therapy. Um, we, they still can go through a trauma treatment, even if they can't speak well or they can't speak at all, because the left part of the brain actually shuts down during trauma, so the frontal cortex is kind of shuts down. And everything is registered in the right part of the brain where the, you know, the pictures and everything. So there are many nonverbal method of treatment where the children can be, you know, the children's memory of the event can be accessed. So please don't be discouraged and say that, oh, the, the treatment is not going to do my child any good because my child doesn't talk or my adolescent doesn't talk. one of the things I can talk about is when a lot of times when I work with children adolescents their parents also have had um, have been traumatized either by the same trauma if the parents always went through or by multiple other traumas so a lot of my parents also have been traumatized um, one of the um, my recommendations one of my things that i can advise you is that the parent seeks therapy for themselves and um when they have been through hard times and they be rough times and um their safety plans developed for children who after being traumatized either overestimate the trauma they become overly hyper vigilant they withdraw from everybody or they underestimate the danger so um one person would avoid if let's say if a child was sexually abused by another male, would avoid all males, another child would actually go seek them and become um, sexually reactive. So um, one of the things that we have to have in mind is to be careful around um, our children, especially if they're underestimate the danger and uh, plan safety um, um, or develop uh, safety measures, safety plans, and be careful with who we leave them with, where where we leave them, because a lot of times the aggressor, the perpetrator, is somebody we know. So if your child in any way has been traumatized and they tend to not to be able to kind of, Estimate the danger or the risk of being with different people in different places. Please be careful. And um, beware of who they're with, where they are. Supervision, supervision, supervision. Not only they don't... Children with autism are traumatized more often because, one, they don't understand the other person's intention. Uh, so if you think of theory of mind where they think that everybody thinks the same way as they do, their intention is the same. If I want to play with train and uh, trains and I'm asking you to play with trains, I think your intention is the same as mine. So they never think, I shouldn't say never, they usually don't think other people have any other intentions besides what they say because they take people literally and they think they're thinking about the same thing they are. So for that reason, they don't comprehend, they don't, um, it's more than cueing. they don't understand people's intention or mal, um, if they have malintention. So they need the parents to be especially vigilant about who they are with, um, whether they know them, not only the adults and the, uh, um, the adults where they go to, but also the other children. Um, and um, everybody that they're around with, so they are not um, they're not hurt by another person um, just because we didn't think about them. Parents, I want you to um, I want to make sure that you guys understand that I, it's not my intention for you um, to stop living. Um, what I am suggesting is, given that children, even typically developing, I, I make this recommendation to all parents um, who've had children with uh, trauma or without trauma, that allow the child to play, allow uh, the child to interact, but with supervision, um, because children are just innocent. Um, so we do have to be their eyes and ears and check out who they're with before we allow them to play. But not to prevent them or stop them altogether from living and having fun, just supervised interactions. So, as one parent to another, and I'm um, a mother of three, um, I think we all have go through quite a bit with our kids. And what I like you guys to know is, you're, you're the biggest asset your child has. And if your support is there, there are many effective treatments for your children, many. I often use parents as co-therapists and I know that I cannot do without you. I do not need you guys to be perfect for the treatment to be um, effective. I think Us parents being imperfect, it actually is a better segue to teaching our kids how to repair, how to know that after um, things go wrong, they can be fixed, they can be mended. There's hope that things will change, relationship can be mended. Um, But the fact is, as many of us therapists they are, as many good um, treatments they are, the treatment is not possible without you guys. So hang in there and um, let us go through the journey together.
0: We hope you have enjoyed this presentation. We now invite you to go to jimtrain.org and gain the additional guidance from this presenter that can help you fully grow and flourish as you gain the skills and confidence to help those you love on the autism spectrum.